This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. It is the Pat O'Keefe Show here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Uh, three hours ahead of us together and plenty, plenty to discuss. This is always one of the best weekends to do uh, what I do and to do what we do because it's the perfect time or one of the perfect times in the sports calendar with so much going on. Obviously, we are now officially entering the stretch run of the Major League Baseball pennant race, uh, which at the moment anyway, we have two teams heavily involved. It is our last Sunday without NFL football. College football, for the most part, started yesterday across the country we had some big basketball news especially in this town just a couple of days ago and believe it or not NBA training camps are about three weeks away with the season to follow about a month and a half from now so you got everything going on right now uh, and really of great importance you know obviously a lot of conversation in recent weeks about the Giants and the Jets and will this be the year that they at least show a modicum of improvement maybe one of the teams if not both of them that may be asking for too much The baseball teams for most of this season certainly did that, and the Mets continue to do so despite last night's setback against the Nationals. And some concerns there with Max Scherzer leaving after just five innings pitched. But of course, the the, the biggest thing that we have to continue to discuss, and this is not going away, and it is frankly starting to reach critical mass, is the New York Yankees. After just another absolute dud last night in Tampa, their swoon continues and it's more than a swoon I mean this is this is a third of a major league baseball season you know there's this old saying that every major league baseball team wins 54 games everyone loses 54 games and it's what you do with those middle 54 games that determines whether or not you're going to be a playoff team or a sub 500 team out of the playoffs the Yankees last 50 games so basically a 54 game sample size the last 50 games they have a record of 19 and 31. That's not okay, a slump, right? That's not all right. Well, it's just a bit of a rough patch and we have time to get it together. 19 and 31 is one of the worst teams in the league, prorated over the course of a year. And when you do that for this extended period of time, 50 games, I mean, just think about if that stretch came at the beginning of the season. And they started off the season 19 and 31. How would we be viewing their season at that point? Aaron Boone may have gotten fired. Brian Cashman would certainly be on the hot seat. And there would have been wholesale changes. Well, guess what? Here's the problem. Because the point in the season in which they're actually going through this now is actually worse than doing it at the beginning of the season. Because you do it at the beginning of the season... And even in the later Joe Torre years when the Yankees, you could stamp them into the playoffs each and every year. The later Joe Torre years, the 2005, 2006, 2007 range, they would get off to sluggish starts. They'd be around 500 after 50 games. There'd be some brief signs of concern, but ultimately they would turn it around. The problem here is there is absolutely no indication that this collection of ballplayers can turn this around. And furthermore, there's... Not a lot of time to turn it around. We are running out of time for the Yankees to turn this thing around. So where are we right now? We have spoken about the Yankees since the beginning of May as they are a foregone conclusion to not only go to the playoffs, but to win the American League East. We have spoken about them in terms of could this team set the all-time single-season wins record? 
could this team surpass what the 1998 Yankees did? This team, at a point in many people's minds, was a foregone conclusion to have the best record in Major League Baseball, which means they would have had the best record in the American League and have home field advantage in a potential ALCS with the Houston Astros. Remember that right out of the All-Star break? The Yankees started the quote-unquote second half of the season with a doubleheader in Houston, got swept, and the big concern at the time was they are letting their lead over the Astros slip away for if and when they meet in the ALCS. Houston, you don't want them to have home field advantage. Right now, the Yankees are six games behind the Astros, six games behind with 29 to play. Now, let me ask you this. What Yankee fan out there wouldn't sign just for an appearance in the ALCS at this point? So much is going wrong at the exact same time. And again, at least from my perspective, somebody watching this unfold each and every day. Also, I will add my perspective, which I have mentioned here for the last few months as I've been doing these shows. Never thought, and I'm certainly not alone here, never thought the Yankees when they were 35, 40 games above 500, never thought they were that good. Always thought it was really impressive that they were doing what they were doing with so many blatant holes in their lineup. And at the time, those holes were Joey Gallo and Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks. Well, here we are in September, and they haven't plugged those holes. Now, a big reason for that is injuries, but that's part of the game. But a bigger reason for that is those holes, Aaron Hicks, is still in the starting lineup for the most part lately because of injuries. Josh Donaldson, they keep running him out there each and every day. You spun Joey Gallo off, but for what? A rotation of left fielders and designated hitters night in and night out. John Carlos Stanton is just coming back. I mean, it is amazing to think right now, and you're without Anthony Rizzo right now, It is amazing to think right now there is exactly one person, one person in that lineup that gives you confidence that he's going to come through at any point in time. And amazingly, he keeps doing it. He did it again last night, down 2-0. And and that is, that last night's game is the quintessential game for what the Yankees are going through right now. Everything that is troubling them right now is wrapped up into one 2-1 loss last night. Everything from the point of view that the Rays gave the Yankees multiple opportunities to put runs on the board. The Rays ran themselves out of an inning in the seventh that could have essentially put the game away. They allowed the Yankees to hang around in that game, and the Yankees at no point in time could take advantage of it. So here we are in the top of the ninth inning, and it's a 2-0 game, and who's leading off the inning? Aaron Judge. Of course Aaron Judge is leading off the inning in a two-run game. That means no matter what the Yankees are still going to be trailing after Aaron Judge's at-bat is complete. You know, you couldn't even have him come up second in the inning. It's just the way that things are falling for this team right now. It's just the way that things are working out for this Yankees team right now. But I'm not sitting here and blaming it on the baseball gods or circumstances or bad luck. This is them. This is on them. And I'm sorry to say because, listen to me, I and many at the beginning of the season were very quick to praise Brian Cashman. I loved the approach coming into the season. I loved the offloading of Gary Sanchez. I thought that was a huge addition by subtraction. I didn't even care what you got offensively from the catcher position. And you actually got a little bit more from Jose Trevino until he got nicked up lately from the catcher position. Offensively, I'm talking about. Defensively, it was a win. Put it in the books. It was a win. Concentrating on defense, 
catcher, shortstop, getting Glaber Torres off of that position, a move that was made late last season and had to be moved, but continuing to commit to that. You know, it was unclear before the season who the Yankees' starting shortstop was going to be. They didn't really have one on the roster. Was it going to be Gio Urshela? You know, Urshela's a fine player, but Urshela's not an everyday shortstop either. So bringing in Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, I thought for the most part this season, he added terrific defense, good enough hitting. And then when you looked at how this roster was constructed, constructed, defense, timely hitting, starting pitching at the beginning of the season was lights out, and the bullpen at the beginning of the season was lights out. And that is a way that teams like the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers and last year the San Francisco Giants, that is a way that these teams that have won so many games in recent years are constructed. You know, they got away from stacking the lineup with right-handed, muscle-bound, injury-prone power hitters. You know, you still had Judge, and you still had Stanton, but that was about it. You know, Rizzo was really good the first half of the season. In theory, you hoped to get more out of Joey Gallo. That obviously did not work out. You hope to get more from Josh Donaldson. You've gotten excellent defense out of Josh Donaldson, but, and I'm guilty of it too because I just said it. If I have to hear one more person say that Josh Donaldson has played excellent defense, and he has, but what is that code for? That's code for Josh Donaldson, a former American League MVP, who if you watch him with this team at the stadium, on television, still walks around. Watch Josh Donaldson. Still walks around like he's the biggest man in that clubhouse. Still walks around like he's the reigning American League MVP. He stinks. Josh Donaldson stinks. He can't do a single thing. Last night, two outs. He's the last man up. He's your last chance. Turn the television off. Seriously, turn it off, walk away, and turn on the Notre Dame game. Because Josh Donaldson has given you absolutely nothing. And I said this when they unloaded Gallo. Right at the trade deadline. I said the two guys most upset to see Gallo go were going to be Aaron Hicks and Josh Donaldson. And Hicks right away, right after the trade deadline. Remember he had that awful game at the stadium where he misjudged. It was against Tampa. He misjudged the fly ball, and then he struck out in a big spot. And then he had the bases loaded and one out, and he squibbed it back to the mound and grounded into a 1-2-3 inning-ending double play. And there was that shot of Hicks just standing on the field at the end of the inning, handing his helmet and gloves to the batting coach, to the first base coach. Boos raining down on him from all corners of Yankee Stadium. And if the man could have found a shovel to dig a hole for himself to get out of that situation, I think he would have done it at the time. So Hicks experienced it right away. You know, Donaldson, for the most part, because of Hicks, is kind of skated by. But let's look at this guy. This is a guy who's your starting third baseman and has been in the lineup every single day and has contributed virtually nothing offensively. He had that one moment in that same series, by the way, later in that series, the walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the 10th inning to avoid a sweep against the Tampa Bay Rays, something the Yankees are trying to do today. And the bottom line for all of this is I list out problem after problem. This is more stream of consciousness for me. I'm sitting here dissecting a problem And another problem pops into my head, and then we move on to that one. And then we move on to that one. We haven't even gotten to the bullpen, the beat-up bullpen. We haven't even gotten to the fact that Garrett Cole, who makes $36 million a year, and you have to pay for six more seasons after this, is incapable of giving you what you need on a given night. 
Did he pitch well in Anaheim the other night? He did. But you know what you are? You're paid as the best pitcher in baseball. Your team is struggling. You're playing a team that is among the worst in the American League. You know that the Yankees offense probably can't give you more than two runs. You've got to hold it down. But what do you do? You give up a three-run home run to Otani. I know Otani's a great player. He didn't give up the three-run home run to some schlub. But it would be nice for once in a while for Garrett Cole to pitch like he's not some schlub. Pitch like you're the anchor of this staff, the leader of this staff. I was texting with a friend of mine, and this is funny how we've come full circle with the comparisons earlier this year between this team and the 1998 Yankees. And after Cole's performance the other day, you know, I, I get texts from my exasperated Yankee fan friends, and, and one of them is going off on Cole. And I said, think about this. The 1998 Yankees, now granted we're talking about arguably the greatest team of all time. The 1998 Yankees had a starting pitching rotation of David Wells, David Cohn, Andy Pettit, and El Duque. If that was the Yankees starting pitching rotation this year and Garrett Cole is on the staff, where's Cole? What, what game is Cole starting? What game is this Garrett Cole starting? Who's he bumping from that four-man playoff rotation? Is he bumping El Duque, one of the great postseason pitchers of all time, or David Wells, or Andy Pettit, or David Cohn? And that's the problem here. The Yankees, through their mediocrity from the end of the Jeter-Mariano farewell tour era, through that one-game wild card loss to Houston, all the way up to their surprising run in 2017 where they came up just short against the Astros. But the Yankees kind of backed themselves into a hole where they were convinced that the one thing that they were missing for postseason success was that top-of-the-rotation, front-line starting pitcher. And they were backed into that corner after losing the 2019 ALCS to the Astros in six games where they felt that's what they were missing. And lo and behold, they went and signed Garrett Cole to this record long-term contract. Well, guess what? They didn't get the right guy. And when you're looking at all of the Yankees' problems, and you can list the names, from Cole to Joey Gallo to Josh Donaldson, and it goes on and on and on, Aroldis Chapman, the bottom line is this. The Yankees, in so many of those cases, did not get the right guy. And that's why they are right now. That's why they are where they are right now. Now, where are they right now? They're still in first place. <laughs> you know, somebody's out of town and not paying attention to the baseball season for the last five months, comes into town today, listens to the first 20 minutes of this radio show, and must think, wow, God, the Yankees are god-awful. The Yankees are in first place, but it sure doesn't feel good right now. All right, I'll take a break. We'll get to your calls. 1-800-919-3776. Your thoughts on the Yankees. Obviously, plenty more to cover as well. We'll talk about the Mets. We'll talk about Max Scherzer's injury last night and concerns there. We'll do a lot on the Knicks, the aftermath of not getting Donovan Mitchell. And a week from today, the Jets and the Giants both suit up for real. It's all on the table here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. I, I know batting average is not the most important stat. For people like me who are in their early 40s growing up where it was the first stat you see and still is in many cases, it, it's still worth noting. And I know OPS is more important and on-base percentage and slugging percentage in, in many areas, but there is still some importance to batting average. The, the batting averages on the Yankees are appalling. 
And by the way, Aaron Judge leading off the ninth inning last night because he let off the game, which I, I, I still don't understand. You're, you're guaranteeing every time you every time you lead off Aaron Judge, you're guaranteeing him at least one at bat with nobody on base. If you lead him off 162 times, and I know he's not going to do that. He's not going to play 162 games or lead off 162. Let's call it 130, all right? 140. You lead him off 140 times, that's 140 out of 500 at-bats that you are guaranteeing he doesn't get up with somebody on base. And That's just not smart baseball to me. It's not. The batting averages are ghastly, though. Stanton is batting 219. Donaldson's batting 218. Oswald Cabrera, who's come up and give them a jolt, allegedly, is batting 211. And I know he's not, I'm not going to say he's a rookie, but he's very, very small sample size for him. You know, Glaber Torres is down to 240. Aaron Hicks is, is 217. I mean, it's an ugly, it's, it's just an ugly lineup right now. You have Donaldson batting cleanup. You have Cabrera batting fifth. Trevino's batting sixth. Remember, remember Rest Roulette? How much fun they had with that on the K show in April and May? And you were leaving a bona fide major league starter out of the lineup every single game because you had 10 guys for nine spots. Remember that? Of course, it turned out that Joey Gallo, at least as a Yankee, was not a bona fide major league starter. Aaron Hicks is no longer a bona fide major league starter. So times have certainly changed. All right, a lot of people wanting to react to this. 1-800-919-3776 here on this Sunday morning. So let's open up the phone lines and go to Manny on the Bronx River. Manny, good morning. Man, how you doing? It's Matt. It's Matt from Bronx River. Oh, hey, Matt. How are you? All right, all right. I was listening to everything you said, and I agree 100%. And I just want to say about um, the Yankees season right now, which was a great season in the first half. But look at this scenario right now for Aaron Boone. This would be a nightmare scenario for Aaron Boone right now. The Rays are back four. The Blue Jays are back, what, six? Now, if the Rays and the Blue Jays get hot, I mean really, really hot at the end of September, and the Yankees keep playing the way they do, this nightmare scenario about a one-game panic game against the, either the Rays or the Blue Jays and the Yankees, and if they lose that game, which is possible, it could happen in the season because there's plenty of games left, that would be a nightmare scenario for Aaron Boone. It's turning into a nightmare scenario for Aaron Boone, Matt. You got right now, you got, including today, you have four more games against Tampa Bay. And then in late September, you go to Toronto for what could be a huge three game series. Now, let me just point this out Major League Baseball restructured the playoffs this year. They added a third wild card team, and now they have those best two out of three wild card rounds. There right, is no right. more, there is no more game 163. There is no more one-game playoff. They now go all ties are actually broken by head-to-head competition during the regular season. So that that scenario doesn't exist anymore. But to your point, Matt, and I'll let you respond, um, the Yankees' nightmare scenario is w- losing this division. And thanks for the call. The Yankees' nightmare scenario is losing this division. And it's very, very possible now. And listen, look at the standings and look at the whole standings. Four games out, okay? That's alarming because they were 15 and a half games out two months ago. You're four games out. You're three games out in the loss column. The loss column is what you need to pay attention to. And you lose today to Tampa, and you're two games out? That means you've got... That's where the Mets are. Look at the Mets. As good as the Mets have played all season long, 
they've got the Braves, the defending World Series champs, breathing down their neck, and that's a legitimate concern. And you're concerned for the Mets because it's only a two-game difference. You're not concerned for the Mets because you don't trust the Mets. You do trust the Mets. At least I trust the Mets. But a two-game lead is a two-game lead. Now flip that over to the American League East. And you give the Yankees a two-game lead, which is what it could be eight hours from now. They could be two games ahead of Tampa Bay if they lose this afternoon. Let's go to Subi in Midtown. Good morning, Subi. Hey, man. Regarding the Yankees, I know it sounds cliche, but the players are not listening to Aaron Boone because Aaron Boone has, doesn't have much to say. If you put Aaron Boone with the Rays, I think the Rays might be in last place. So my thinking is next year you go to Kevin Cash and you offer him you know, a significant amount of money to be the manager, and I think he will see results because right now what's going on is the ownership and general manager and the manager are all together. Now what happens with good baseball teams is usually the players listen to the manager and they, they don't really have the ownership or general manager on their heads. So I think what the situation is is that Aaron Boone is being protected by the ownership and general manager. That's where the problem is. And then the players feel like they're protected from the manager. So at the end of the day, I feel like these players need some sort of pick-me-up. And I think Kevin Cash or some other small ball, small small manager who's doing more, uh, less, who's doing more with less, will accomplish more on the Yankees than the previous managers in the past. That's all i got to say. Thanks for the call, Subi. It's an interesting comparison between what the Dodgers did with Andrew Friedman years ago. And when the Tampa Bay Rays started getting good at the beginning of last um, decade, or even earlier than that, I mean, they went to the World Series in 2008, if you remember. Joe Madden was the manager. And Andrew Friedman, one of these you know young, analytically-based, uh, I, I don't know where he went to college, but the prototype Ivy League uh, young executive, built that organization hand-in-hand hand with Madden, but it was more Friedman. He instilled the philosophy, you know, Madden uh, implemented it on the field. And then about six years ago, Friedman went to the Dodgers. The Dodgers wanted to change course. The Dodgers, a big market team. They don't need to do small ball, but they saw how well it worked for this guy in Tampa Bay where you kind of have to do that. And how has it worked in Los Angeles? It's, it's unbelievable. I know the Dodgers, you know, the... The critics of the Dodgers will be quick to tell you that they've only won one World Series during this stretch and that that World Series, and I don't agree with this part at all, but that World Series came in 2020, so it is a little bit tainted. No. I hear your point about the one World Series during the stretch. Winning the World Series with all of these, and it's about to get harder, winning the World Series with all of these additional rounds and layers of the playoffs is extremely hard. The Braves weren't the best team in baseball last year. The Dodgers were, or... The Astros were, or the Red Sox were, you know, the, but the Braves got hot at the right time. And if you get hot and that can carry you for two or three rounds of the playoffs, all of a sudden you're World Series champs. So that's what has stopped the Dodgers. But look at what the, what the Dodgers have done over the last decade with Andrew Friedman in charge is incredible. They win the division every year. They didn't win it last year. And that's because the Giants won 108 games. I think the Dodgers won 106 games last year and didn't win the division. They win the division every year. They go to the NLCS almost every year. They go to the World Series a couple of times. They lost to the Astros. They lost to the Red Sox. They finally went back and they won the World Series in 2020. But they were there every year. And you look at them now, they seem like the perfect team. And that being said, 
the Mets just beat him two out of three at City Field this past week. But spin that to what our last caller was saying. What would Kevin Cash look like coaching the Yankees? Is that an approach they want to take? The bottom line is this. If the Yankees collapse here, then they have to make changes. I mean, enough is enough. First of all, if for some reason you don't win the division, it will be arguably the greatest in-season collapse in baseball history. I mean, look at the search engine on my computer. Biggest collapses in sports history. Third inning of last game, I start punching that in and compiling a list for our show today. This Yankees collapse, if if they do in fact collapse, would be up there with that. And you know what else is right up there? Is 2004. So now all of a sudden, this franchise that, for most of its existence, a century and a quarter, well, really a century, they won their first World Series in 1923. For a century, this franchise has been synonymous with winning and class and excellence and dominance. And you have the potential now for this Yankees franchise to have the stain of two of the largest collapses in baseball history, in sports history, and in different methods too. You've already got the postseason collapse, and I don't see anybody surpassing that. Up three games to nothing. One win away from the World Series. Who's going to surpass that? Who's going to have a bigger collapse than that? But then on top of that, it's like the 2022 Yankees are saying, hold my beer. I'll show you one better. We're going to be up 15 and a half games in June. People are going to be talking about us like we're the best team ever. And we're not even going to win the division because our offense is going to be so incredibly inept down the stretch that we're going to resemble an Oakland A's team, who, by the way, we couldn't even beat last weekend. So that's the danger of this Yankee team. And if that happens and changes aren't made, then what what has to happen? for change? And I'm not sitting here calling for somebody's job. I'm not sitting here saying it's going to happen. But my job this morning is to say what I think should happen if this continues. And frankly, I have not been given any evidence that this is not going to continue. It's really, really ugly right now. Right? We are waiting for Stanton to come back. I'll just wait till Stanton comes back. He'll give Judge some protection in the lineup. If Stanton's back. I know he's just back. We'll give him some more time. But that hasn't changed anything. You know, Nestor Cortez apparently is incredibly important to this team, but the pitching isn't even the problem. It's the hitting. I mean, last night you got Oswald Cabrera, rookie batting 211, batting fifth, and Jose Trevino, a journeyman catcher, batting sixth in a game against a division rival that you have to have. There are no answers there. And that's Boone's fault, sure. But when there's no answers player-wise, you got to look one rung up the ladder higher than Aaron Boone. But the whole thing isn't working right now. And they have 29 games to figure this out. All right, I know more people want to weigh in. We'll step aside real quick. 1-800-919-3776 as we continue here on a Sunday morning, Labor Day weekend. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. So here's a few of these collapses just thumbing through this list. It was compiled by ESPN uh, in 2016. So I'd have to jog the memory to see if any have been added uh, to this since but you know Greg Norman at the 1996 Masters this right before uh, Tiger Woods burst onto the scene uh, shot a 78 in the final round and he had never won the Masters before 
Uh, that's obviously a memorable one. Um, the Boston Red Sox in the 2011 American League playoff race, they went 7-20 and during the month of September, and they lost the playoff spot, the wild card spot, on the season's final day in 2011 by losing to an Orioles team that was uh, in last place at the time. These are just a, a couple. Um, what the Yankees are in the midst of right now and what they have the potential to do, and I'll list some more as we continue this morning, you know, just for – just for fun for all the Yankee fans out there. But if the Yankees continue along this pace and they actually do collapse, it's a more significant collapse than those that I've listed so far. And many that are considered among the biggest collapses in sports history really is. I mean, it really is when you consider where they were in May and June being talked about as one of the great regular season teams of all time, who in their right mind at that time would have thought, that the Yankees were in danger of not going to the playoffs. The Yankees right now are not a lock to go to the playoffs, or at least to go to the ALDS. You know, Tampa Bay catches them. They win the division. Yankees have to end up in that best two out of three wild card series. After where they were, 15 and a half games up, talking about home field advantage throughout the entire postseason, that would be a precipitous fall for this franchise. All right, let's go back to the phones, 1-800-919-3776. John in North Bergen. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning. How you doing, man? Great show. Thanks, John. What's on your mind today? Nothing about the Yankees, man. Listen, I'm a Yankee fan my whole life. Um, They were hot. You know, teams go through that. They get hot, then they're going through a slump. You know, I, I... I'm one of those Yankee fans that isn't worried because when the postseason starts, I think they'll turn it on, like turn the switch. Like, do you think so? Like, for you to say a collapse, it's not it's not even done yet. So collapse is a big word, don't you no, think? It is. I'm using the word potential next to it, though, John. That's the thing. I'm projecting forward that if they continue along this pace – where would this collapse stack up? Because if they do not win the division, John, it's a collapse. Now, I, I agree, yes, 100%. To answer, but... Let me answer your question, to, and I'll, I'll let you Go respond. Ahead. But to, to answer your question, I'm sure. not writing them off. I do think that they can, over these final 29 games, stabilize things. The schedule gets a little bit easier. They start getting more and more players back. Nestor Cortez comes back. Stanton gets more and more comfortable. You finally get Harrison Bader playing center field for the first time. So they do have time to straighten this out. Plus, the important thing to remember, they have a four-game lead, a three-game lead in the loss column right now. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of tight as well. But like you said, the schedule is getting easier um again guys coming back so no i you know like what i'm trying to say my point is that they're just like taking a break you know like a uh, 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 midsummer vacation and once the playoffs begin they'll turn it on that's the hope and thanks for the call john that's the hope for every yankee fan right now and i'm not writing that scenario off but i've been doing shows here regularly all summer long and you started to see some cracks in the foundation in late June. And they didn't finish the first half of the season well. And then they came out of the All-Star break and they got swept in the doubleheader by the Astros. And they've really never played well at all since the All-Star break, except for that five-game winning streak last week 
when they beat the Blue Jays and they beat the Mets and they had the two straight wins over the A's on the beginning of their West Coast road trip. Other than that, they haven't played well at all. So when I was sitting here in late July, yes, I was describing it like our last caller, John, as a midsummer break. But then late July turned into early August, which turned into mid-August, which turned into late August. And until that Subway Series against the Mets... It went from a little midsummer vacation to a month and a half long struggle. And then again, after the five game winning streak that gave a lot of people a little bit of hope, they thought that was the time they were going to turn this around. They've been as bad as ever since then. Losing two straight in Oakland, losing two out of three in Anaheim, and now losing the first two games in Tampa. The schedule does get easier. Their favorite and if this is this will be the real test this week. The Yankees' favorite patsies of all time are coming to the Bronx tomorrow for a four-game series beginning with a matinee tomorrow, Labor Day, the Minnesota Twins. So if the Twins come in and knock the Yankees around Yankee Stadium, then you know that there's something wrong with this team because historically the Minnesota Twins have been the cure for whatever ails the Yankees. But you have four games against Minnesota and then three against Tampa. You go to Boston for two, and the Red Sox are a mess right now, but they're still the Red Sox, and they always play the Yankees tough. You go to Milwaukee for three. They're a good team. Two games at home against Pittsburgh, four at home against Boston. And then you finish at Toronto against Baltimore and a four-game series in Texas. Those are the four games that were supposed to open the season. But remember with the lockout way back in April that delayed the start of the season, those four games in Texas have now been pushed to the end of the season. And the last thing the Yankees want to do, October 3rd, 4th, and 5th, is a doubleheader in there. The last thing the Yankees want to do is go down to Arlington and play a meaningful series against a Rangers team that will have absolutely nothing to play for. But that's 29 games down the road. Let's see if or when they can straighten this thing out. Let's go to D in Queens. D, good morning. Hey, what's going on, buddy? How are you, man? Um, unless the Yankees win the World Series, I think you burn it all down. Like, every piece of it. Because Cash has been there for 98, and you can make a legitimate case, he has one championship as a GM. Because he took over when something was already built. What he built, since he's been, like, head the head of the uh, the head of the snake, one championship. Yeah, they make the playoffs, but they haven't done much. And, and judges, I'm, I'm Buddhist, no. And then if you're Aaron Judge as a free agent, you have the Mets and the Yankees. You're only staying with the Yankees for money and loyalty because the Mets look like a better time. Like the Yankees, all their advantages are gone. Now their money advantages over the, of the Mets are over. And no facial hair. They seem so stiff. It just, it just if you're going to pick a team, you would always go to the Mets if you're a free agent. The Yankees just don't seem fun. It's just like, ugh, they're stiff, they're boring. And it's like you're seeing it now. Guys are getting tight. Guys don't look like they're having fun. It's just overall like a bad energy. And it's like you need to clean house and burn every piece of it down. I'm talking about unless you win the World Series, even if you make it to the ALCS, I still say burn it down. Every piece of it. D, I, that's a great call, and thanks for it. Um, I'll, I'll backtrack one off of what you're saying. I think if you make it to the World Series – you don't have to break it all down. But I, I don't disagree with the rest of what you said. You know, the Mets right now, look, and it's hard to look at it through the lens of Aaron Judge, a guy who came up through the 
Yankees organization was a first-round draft pick, rookie of the year, MVP, runner-up, now 250 home run seasons, and he's done it all wearing the most famous uniform in all of sports. So looking at it from his perspective, I would imagine that the allure or the pull of the Yankees is probably stronger for him than the Mets or another franchise. But if you take that out of it, let's just take a regular, a regular free agent. You know, we talk about this all the time, college sports. And college football started yesterday, and a quick sidebar tangent here. College sports all the time, when I was growing up, the dominant teams were, you know, who? Oklahoma, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Michigan. Those were the traditional power programs when I was growing up. And they were the ones with all the history and steeped in tradition. The athletes and the players who are winning championships now and are filling out championship rosters now, they don't care about that stuff. They really don't. I mean, some do. I'm not making a blanket statement, but it's not the most important thing. It's not as important as your weight room facilities, your weather, where your campus is, what your campus looks like, what the people on your campus look like, if you know what I mean. Those are the most important things to athletes. Now, and professional athletes are the same. I'm sure Aaron Judge appreciates the fact that he's a star for the New York Yankees wearing the most famous uniform in all of sports. But I would imagine to him and his new wife, he's recently married, there are probably things that are more important. And the Yankees right now, other than being the Yankees and living off of the foundation built over 100 years of dominance, starting with Ruth, and we all know the names, up to Jeter, and the foundation that those guys have laid, that's the biggest appeal for the Yankees. But the question you have to ask yourself is how appealing is that to the modern-day baseball player in 2022? Steve Cohen's money and what he's got going on and his whole deal over in Queens seems pretty appealing to me these days as well. And that fan base is absolutely apoplectic right now for their team, which also seems like a lot of fun. So just keep that in mind. All right, more of this. Uh, we'll get to the Mets. Speaking of, uh, big injury update coming uh, after the break. And more of your calls at 1-800-919-3776 here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets, meanwhile, lose at home to Washington last night 7-1. That's not the, uh, the headline here. Even the Mets have to lose once in a while. They only got four hits. It was a 1-1 game. Scherzer was pitching well until he exited after five another strong innings for him. 67 pitches. Uh, takes himself out of the game. Leads to today's New York Mets injury report. It's brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine and Sports Medicine. Scherzer, after those five innings and 67 pitches in which he allowed only one run, went back to the Tunnel did not return to the game, followed by Mets pitching coach and the Mets trainer. Afterwards, Scherzer was asked what he felt when he left the game. Uh, I just had general fatigue on the left side. It wasn't anything specific. Uh, I don't have any strains. It just left side was getting uh, tired uh, a lot quicker uh, than usual. Um, and so 
you know, given the, it, this was a precautionary move, move given the, the history of the oblique here. So was there a scenario where I could go out there and pitch a six and be okay? Yeah, that could have happened. Um, but if I went out there in the six and I got hurt, there's no way I could come in here and look the guys in the face and, and say that I made the right decision. So um, better to be safe and sorry in this in this scenario. Just let my, you know, I got an extra day coming in uh, for, you know, you know, after this, um, you know, just rest up and get ready for the next start. So will Max have to go through any further tests? You never know. Uh, they might want to just take a picture or take a look, but uh, there, there's nothing that happened. I didn't throw a weird pitch. You know, didn't have anything go. Nothing tightened up. You know, nothing like tightened up. I just had general fatigue overall on my left side, um, and so you know that's where you can run an injury um, is when you're pitching through fatigue, uh, and so that was one. That was the reason, um, you know, to come out of incredible importance here does Scherzer expect to make his next start yeah I would expect to make my next start uh, especially given that I have an extra day uh, like I said I didn't hurt myself let this get some days off and I should be feeling good pretty, pretty soon that is the Mets injury report brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine and Sports Medicine Total Ortho Express is Long Island's premier orthopedic immediate care where no appointment is needed after all time doesn't heal wounds they do. So Scherzer, the timing of this is important here. It's September. Scherzer said afterwards that he realizes that he doesn't have time to be out for an extended period of time and then ramp back up. So playing it better safe than sorry last night. And we'll monitor this over the next few days. But something to keep an eye on from the Mets perspective.